Good morning. So wonderful to be here and uh, welcome if you're at home and uh, watching this in another setting. Uh, you're welcome as well. Welcome to those. Uh, it's the first time I've been here to see people up in the balcony. Uh, hi there. Great to see you. I feel that what God's given me uh, does fit in, actually, uh, with all that, surprisingly, with all that God's been doing amongst us this morning. And my prayer is that I wouldn't be too long. I'm sure that's your prayer as well. And I pray that as we bring this into a landing, uh, that some of this holy chaos, uh, God's order, not our order, this water flowing in the desert will actually break upon us. And uh, um, there's a scripture that God's laid on my heart. It's something that I've been living with this last month or so, something God just spoke to me out of the blue this summer. And uh, I feel it's very relevant for today, and I'm going to land it in two or three different places that are going to underline some of our family values as Christ Central New Frontiers, some of our distinctives, if you like. So if you've got a Bible, um, I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 62, or the first five verses of Isaiah chapter 62, and... This is what it says. Oh, thank you, Anne. Don't tread on the lights, thank you. I, I just like to get as close to you as I can. You, do you notice that? I, I, I don't like being stuck behind things. I think I told you once before when I was in Hastings and we had a, um, it was a school hall and it was this kind of height of thing, stage. And uh, I used to come forward like this, and the kids at the back used to take bets on when I would fall off the stage. <laughs> I never did, so it could be a first today. Isaiah chapter 62, uh, first five verses. For Zion's sake, and by the way, Zion and Jerusalem here, I'll explain in a moment, are a picture of us. It's the church. It's God's gathered community. It's his people. It's his dwelling. For Zion's sake, I will not Keep silent. For Jerusalem, I'll not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. Nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You'll be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or your land desolate. But you will be called Hepzibah, which if you've got a footnote in your Bible, says my delight is in her. And your land will be called Beulah. Similarly, it means married. For the Lord will take great delight in you and your land will be married. And as a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Lord, I thank you that you've been speaking to us this morning about your love and your power and your mercy breaking in upon us. And I pray, Lord, that where there have been blockages, I pray, Lord, that where we've not quite seen things correctly, I pray, Lord, that your river of your spirit will just come and push boulders away, will just come and bring streams in the desert, will come and bring the spirit powerfully among us this morning 
that we would be a people renewed, a people sent out, a people to the nations. We ask that in Jesus' name. I won't have time to talk about the context of this passage, but it's a setting where the people of God have been in a difficult time. They're either in captivity or going into captivity, depending on whether you're looking from the perspective of Judah or Israel. But basically, the people of God have not obeyed God. God has consistently warned them that if you consistently do this, I will send you into exile and I'll discipline you for your good. But there's always the but here, and we've got a beautiful but here, and it's this, that I will bring you back into the land, and actually I'm going to bless you, because my heart is to bless you. And it's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be pouring out my spirit upon you, and I'm going to be filling you again, and you are going to fulfill the calling of God on your life, which is to be not just a nice little city or a nice little comfortable setting, but actually a light to the nations. You're going to burst forth because my promises will not be thwarted. And that's God's promises here. And that's what he's speaking about. And it's speaking about, first of all, us, who we are, the call to build the church, the call to see the beautiful bride of Christ as who she is, the church. If you look consistently in the New Testament, references to Zion or references to Jerusalem are fulfilled in the gathered community of God's people, the church. Hebrews 12 verse 22, you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God, the church of the firstborn. So this is talking about us. It's talking about the church. God's heart is for the church. God's heart is for his people. His love overflows with mercy and grace and kindness and compassion toward his people, towards the church. Ephesians 2, chapter 20, uh, verse 22, says this, In him, in Christ, you, us, if, if, if it was a northerner writing, he would have said use, use, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's who we are, friends. We're not just a club. We're not just a community. We're not just a fellowship of people who've got like-mindedness. We're not just a religious society. We're the people of God, and this is the place where God lives. It's the place where God dwells, not in this synagogue, not in this building, but in this building, in this building, in these buildings, in these living stones. When we come together like this, God turns up, and he wants to turn up this morning and he wants to turn it up this morning. He wants to come with increased power and increased revelation of who he is. And it says here, I'll not keep silent. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to be quiet about it. And I think God wants to renew a fresh passion in us for the local church. He wants to renew in us a fresh passion for his dwelling, his church, his people, and that's you. And he wants to renew that. I was 16 years old when I walked into a church just like this, except it wasn't just like this. It was about 25, 30 people. But it was just like this in terms of the presence of God. It was one of the early first New Frontiers churches before we were even called New Frontiers. And what struck me coming out of a rather crusty, old, 
dying religious system that I won't name, but was started by Charles Wesley. And I came out of that system and out of the deadness of the wood that I was in into this living church, this this bright, vibrant, pulsating, spirit-filled, charismatic, stuff-happening, God-turning-up church. And suddenly I fell in love with the church. I saw the beauty of the local church. I saw the passion of God for the church. I saw that that which I'd gone to religiously Sunday after Sunday and kind of thought, I don't really fit in here. I don't belong here. Suddenly I found a place where I belong. Suddenly I found the local church alive and full of God's presence. Dear friends, that's us. That's who you are. And God wants to underscore and underline that again for us today. Don't keep quiet about it. It's going to involve every part of you, your time, your money, your passion, who you are. He's calling for fresh commitment. He's calling for fresh passion for the local church. Now, just notice here what he compares it to. What does God compare his people, his citadel, his dwelling place, Jerusalem, Zion, which as I've shown you from the New Testament, is the church, it's us, it's the people of God. What does God compare that to? What kind of relationship, what kind of contractual relationship does this holy, awesome, powerful God have with his people? And it's a relationship of marriage. It's a relationship of love. It's a relationship that flows out. It says this, you're going to be called a crown of splendor. You're not going to be called Hepzibah or Beulah. You're going to be called, God takes delight in you. He's going to marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God rejoices over you. See, this is what's going to thrill your heart. This is what's going to motivate you to live for him. This is what's going to change from looking inward at failure to looking up at mercy and grace and empowering is understanding that we are the bride of Christ. And God wants to underline that again in our hearts. This is who we are. Romans 7 verse 4. You are married to the one who has been raised from the dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2. I've promised you to one husband to Christ that I might present you to him as a pure virgin. And heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, is seen as a consummation of this marriage. The bride and the bridegroom eternally enjoying one another forever. Revelation 19 verse 7, Come, let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Now, I think sometimes we have the wrong view of God. We have the wrong contractual understanding. We think of God there with his clipboard. We think of him as some kind of cosmic offstead. We think of him as some kind of health and safety expectorate. We see him as some kind of coach, which is assessing how we're living and how we're performing and how we're doing. We see him as some office manager coming to check our work. And it's like he's got this clipboard and he's going, oh, 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 
oh, you haven't done that? Now, that's how we respond to ourselves. That's, by the way, also how the enemy responds to us. But how does God respond to us? Actually, the Bible says that when he looks at us with eyes of blazing fire, he looks with passion and mercy and compassion because he loves his bride. We've got to be so understanding of this. We've got to be so, we've got to get this right into our hearts this morning. We've got to get this right into our spirits that he is burning with love for us. He is burning with love. See, it's so clear in these scriptures. It talks about splendor. It talks about delight. It talks about being rejoiced over that we're going to be changed and we're now going to be called Hepzibah, delightful, and Beulah, married. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God will rejoice over you. I love the verse in Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, He will take great delight in you. He will renew you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. Heaven's heart for you this morning, heaven's heart for his bride, the church this morning, heaven's heart is of mercy and love and grace and is about to burst forth over us. Because God, it says, he doesn't look with eyes of judgment. He looked once with eyes of judgment, and that was on the Lord Jesus. He took all our shame. He took all our blame. He took all our sin. He took everything to himself. Heaven's eyes, when it now looks at the church, when it looks at you, are with eyes of grace and eyes of mercy, and eyes of love. He, it says in that, he delights over you. It's the same word that is used here in Isaiah that's used, as I quoted in Zephaniah, and it's a fantastic word. It means this, to delight in means to spin round with delirious delight. See, God spins round with delirious delight over what? over you, over his church, over his bride. Heaven's heart is full of love. Isaiah 65 verse 19, it's going to go on to say, I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take great delight in my people. And I think this fits in with this, are you thirsty? That's come so strongly this morning. Because I think, and this is just my perception, that the last 18 months has knocked some love out of us. It's kind of knocked some stuffing out of us. And we've seen the church through the lens of a computer or a TV screen or a tablet or a phone. We've seen relationships more on Zoom than we have physically. And I believe God is wanting to restore to us first love. So I feel prophetically to say this, Revelation 2 verse Four, have you forsaken the love that you had at first? Where is your first love? And I believe God wants to pour out his love on us because we love, the Bible says this, we love because he first loved us. So it's when you get an understanding that he loves you, that he's for you, 
but he burns with passion for you. When you get that in your heart, then actually it stirs and kindles a love in your heart for him. And I believe God would say to us and challenge us, be quite provocative to us this morning and say, have you moved away from your first love? Have you, are you, do you really understand the love of God in Christ, that he's passionately in love with his church, and he's calling you and us as the bride and as the church to receive his love and to receive his mercy and to receive his grace afresh. See, Jesus said this in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Isn't that interesting? If you love me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, the law could not produce fruitfulness in the people of God. The law says you should, you must, you ought, or there'll be consequences. And that never produces life. In fact, Paul says if a command could have been given to produce life, it would have been. God would have come up with a command that could have produced life. It didn't. The law never produces life. Love produces life. And the love of God in Christ produces life. Paul's going to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Christ's love compels us. The love of Christ moves us. The love of Christ is going to stir us and move us and compel us to obey him, to live for him, to be this holy people that we so desire, that we so want to be. How are we going to be this holy people? How are we going to be this people who, in whom God dwells? The love of Christ, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts more and more. And I believe that as I was praying for you today, I was out walking yesterday and I saw this picture of a really fruitful tree. Really fruitful tree. And I was reminded of Romans chapter 7 where it talks about Jesus and it compares Jesus to the law. The law demands but never gives a help, never lifts a finger. Jesus, it says in Romans chapter 7, is a life-giving husband that produces fruit. And I saw this picture of Sheffield, of City Church Sheffield, being like this massive tree, just absolutely laden with good fruit. Absolutely laden with it. Now, the, the, what I saw was fruit on the end of all the branches. Not on the trunk, not on the big branches, but just at the end. And what I feel God's saying is that he's giving us fresh fruit in community. Fresh fruit in the small. Fresh fruit in small relationships, in one anothering, in our friendships together, in the communities that we live in, in the small groups that we're in, in the hubs that we're in, in the small settings that we're in. God is promising fresh it's a time of autumn. It's a time of mellow mists and fruitfulness. And it's a time of that in the church. It's a time for a new fruiting in society. It's a time for a new fruiting. But that fruitfulness is going to come out of the love of Jesus, the passion of Jesus, 
that's producing a harvest of righteousness in our lives as we live for him. And do you know what? The world is watching. The world is looking. The world is seeing. And I just, I felt God say to me when I was preparing this, just pause at this moment and just pray for those who are leading small groups, hubs. Now that might be a part of the official structure here, or it might be that you're in a, a community setting that is working with asylum seeker refugees or children or young people or uh, older people or vulnerable people. It's not an official structure, but you kind of know that you've got some responsibility to look after some people. And I feel God would promise you fresh fruiting in that area because he loves the church and because he wants the church to shine out with splendor and love, he's promising that in your life, in your community. So if that's you, I wonder whether you just stand up right now. Don't worry if you, if you stand up wrongly, it's okay. If you're at home, stand up. Be brave. I just want to prophesy fresh fruit over you. I want to prophesy that you're going to fall in love with Jesus afresh. I'm going to prophesy there's going to be fresh passion of Christ and for Christ in your life that's going to result in a fresh love of those around you and is then going to result, as we're going to hear in a minute, of a fresh shining out of the love of God in community. And therefore, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for my friends. I pray for those in City Church who carry responsibility, however small or big that is, in a small setting, I pray now for fresh fruitfulness in Jesus' name. I pray for a fresh passion for Jesus to be set ablaze in their heart. I pray for a fresh passion for Christ to be ignited in us, Lord, that we might love you more and so be compelled to live for you more in community that we might shine out more for you. We pray and prophesy fresh fruit over us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we're going to come back and pray for you or with you a little later. There's three groups of people I feel God's underlined in my heart. That was the first one. And it's to do with a love for the church. It's to do with a, a fresh understanding of the love of Jesus for his bride. But then the whole point of this is that that love must overflow. So if you get a healthy marriage, a healthy marriage isn't inward. A healthy marriage, when you get two people who are in love, if they always just in the corner canoodling, Children can ask your parents at home what that word means. If they're just always separate, I wonder if that's real love. Because real love is always inclusive. Real love. See, God so loved, he drew. God was love. God is love. And he drew people into himself. And actually, the love that you see properly in a family draws people into that family, doesn't it? It draws friends. It draws relations. It draws, it draws people in. And I believe the love of God that's afresh in the church, this fresh passion for Jesus and for us in community as the bride of Christ is going to shine out. 
in the world. It's going to declare out. And this is what this scripture says. It, call, it says, verse 1, her righteousness will shine out like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. Dear friends, this is the gospel in life. This is the kingdom of God, the rule of God. God's drawing us back to the church and he's drawing us back to what the church is supposed to do. The church is a vehicle for the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the reign of God, the display of God's mercy and grace in society. And I believe God's calling us back for that. Isaiah 44, shout aloud, burst into song, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob and has displayed his glory in Israel. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it is God's intent that now through the church, through you and me, the manifold wisdom of God, the multicolored grace of God should be made known publicly. See, we are not to exist as a secret society. We're not to exist separate and cut off from the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. We're called to let our light shine before men and women. These small groups, these hubs, these people who are leading these things. You're not just pastors, you are pastors, but the way we pastor people is to get their eyes set on Jesus and doing the things that Jesus calls them to do, which is to live out for him in everyday life. To be a shining torch, a blazing torch that people might see your righteousness. And I believe that God, what I saw is this, it's the second picture I saw, that God's going to give more visibility to you here in Sheffield. There's, it's like the contrast was turned up. In fact, what I saw, and some of you will be old enough to remember this, I grew up, and kids, you, will not even, you wouldn't even know this exists. I grew up without television for the first five years of my life. Shock horror. And then when my family finally bought a television, it was black and white. I mean, can you imagine that? You know, black and white television with two channels. I mean, that was it, wasn't it, Ginny? You know, that was it. And, uh, you know, the exciting thing is if you could get BBC Two. Wow, a third channel. That was amazing. These days, we get these amazing screens and LCD HD, 4K, 5K, whatever this, whatever, shining out in amazing contrast. And I feel God wants to change us here from a black and white mode to a full color mode. There's turning up the color. It's turning up the contrast. He's turning it up. And I think there are several applications for this. It's so that the light might shine. And I saw several things happening. Number one, I saw this actual building. I saw this building getting messy. It's interesting. Who, who brought the word about messy? Steve and Ginny. <laughs> I think this building is going to get messy. It's going to get a bit dirty. It's going to get a bit grubby. It's going to get full of life. Things are going to be birthed in this building and this building is going to become more and more the heart of a community. So I saw this actual building, the actual Jubilee Centre, things happening here, life happening here, more and more 
things happening here, turning the contrast up from black and white to color, and stuff happening here that it's actually going to be hard for Ben and his team and cleaners to keep up with it. Because we, you know, we want, I, I, you know, I used to be an administrator of a local church. I want to keep things tidy. I like, tidy's good as far as I'm, I like tidy. But actually, God, in his mercy, has a new definition of what order is. And God's order is more like the order of a scrum in a rugby match than it is in a order of a graveyard. You know, God's order is different. To our my, mind's all nice, neat, and tidy. God's order looks from my eyes a bit messy, but it's God orders it. And I believe God wants to disorder us in order to bring his order in. He wants to change some stuff in us. And I think that's, that's for you here in the JC, but it's also in your communities. It's in your areas of creativity. I saw new creativity being birthed. And creativity is messy. You know, have you ever done creative with kids? It's, it's glitter. We're, Anne and I were in a shop the other day, uh, and uh, there's a lovely family that we know, and there was this whole um, art pack of just hundreds and hundreds of glitter and colour. And Anne said to me, shall we bless them with that for Christmas? <laughs> she's cheeky, she's naughty. Because it's just going to, that you would never get glitter out of a house. You know, and I just think there's mess and there's, but there's creativity in that. So I, I saw people breaking new things of creativity here, breaking into new areas of creativity, art, music, dance, drama, painting, speech, writing. Then I saw there were some new areas of breakthrough in terms of people groups. We'll come on to this in a moment. But people groups and nations. And it's just going to get messy. I saw three lots of people involved with this. I might get this wrong. It, some of this just might be based on my knowledge. But I saw some kingdom breakout that was going to involve life to the marginalised, mercy it's going to bring colour to the black and white. It's going to bring grace and food and blessing to those in need. And I saw creatives doing that, but I also saw three families that I know and love in this church doing that. And I felt just God wanted to underline. Just, I felt the blessings. I felt God wants to do something new in you with this. I felt the Willoughby's. I didn't even know if these guys were going to be here today, and I just checked they're all here. The Willoughby's, I felt there's something of creativity and colour and vibrancy. And the Marriott's, and I think the Marriott's are hiding. Chris is trying to hide more and more. He's getting hard to see him behind a beanpole these days, but uh, it, the, the Marriott's are there, aren't you? My eyesight isn't brilliant, but I just saw God, there's those three couples, God doing something new in, in this season, in terms of kingdom breakout, and reaching out to the marginalized, the kingdom of God, shining out your righteousness. Okay? So if you guys wouldn't mind standing, if you wouldn't mind, I hope it's not too manipulative, and families as well. And it also, if you just know that you're a creative one, and sometimes you, you know that because you don't quite fit in with our natural order. You don't quite fit in with our nice pastoral, Jeremy's pastoral, you know, nice 
you, you color over the lines sometimes. You, you, you even say, what lines? You know, you draw different lines. You, you're just different. You're creative. And that, God loves that because God is the God of creation and he's the creative one. And he just puts something of creativity in you. You might be a writer. You might be an artist. You might be into drama. You might be into painting, sculpting, whatever. I'm not trying to limit too much what artistic creativity is. But there's something new that God's going to burst forth in this church. If that's you, please could you stand as well. I just want to pray for you. There's more than three of you. That's it. And if you're at home or watching this later, you're creative. You can stand. And I want to pray, and this is what I want to pray. I want to pray that your gift is taken out of the back street and brought into the main street. I want to pray that you're taken out of the back waters and brought into the main river. I want to pray that you're taken out of the back room and brought into the front room. In other words, I want to pray for more visibility that you might shine forth. This scripture is talking about shining forth, letting your salvation, it's all about salvation, it's all about righteousness, it's all about glory, it's all about the grace of God shining out of you in community life. And I want to pray that that happens more and more in this church. And the result is lots of mess. I love that word earlier, lots of mess. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who resonate with this sense of creativity. I thank you for kingdom breakthrough that I see in Bless Hands, that I see in the Marriott's, that I see in the Willoughby's, I see in so many others who could be standing as well. In fact, if you've got a kingdom, if you've got kingdom on your heart, you can stand as well. If you feel light to the darkness, hope for the marginalised, if you feel that there's a kingdom activity in your heart, I want you to stand as well. And Lord, I pray for breakout, kingdom breakout. I pray for mess. I pray for the river to come and sweep through. I pray it'll be like that little video I saw from Tim and Becky Davis this morning. When the hurricane comes in, there's floods in the streets. Everything's changed. Things are brought down. The landscape changes. And I pray, Lord, that what is our nice, neat, ordered British mentality would surrender to heaven's chaos Heaven's order, heaven's order, your order. I pray that in Jesus' name. Let, it be, let the writers be released. Let the poets be released. Let the artisans be released. Let there be a release of the Spirit of God in terms of the kingdom of God in life. Let the righteousness shine in life in Jesus' name. Amen. The third and final thing that I want to say is we've talked about church, we've talked about kingdom, and these are the Christ-central distinctives in case you hadn't noticed. What's the third one? Does anyone know? Church, kingdom, nations. Thank you. That's right. And even in this building, as we're surrounded by these beautiful flags, and more importantly, we're surrounded and infiltrated in a wonderfully good way. I mean that in a beautiful way by people of different nationalities and different ethnic backgrounds amongst us. I want to say, if you're not born or the, you wouldn't have considered the United Kingdom your home when you were born, your family background, we applaud you. We say, this is the multicoloured grace of God amongst us. We love the nations and we love 
what God does. He doesn't put us into some grey melting pot where it's all reduced down to some minimum. Actually, he turns the contrast up and brings vibrancy of nations to us. Look at these flags. They're all so different. Kids, look at these flags. Which one grabs your attention? Maybe God one day would even get you to pray for that nation, that flag. Maybe one day he'd even send you to that nation or allow you to go and visit that nation. Maybe God's putting nations on people's hearts this morning because this is what the word of God says. Nations will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. If you read through Isaiah, which I've just finished doing in my own personal devotions, nations come 67 times. You know, get the context. They've just been sent into captivity. They can't let their light shine in Babylon. But Isaiah keeps saying, one day you're going to come back. I'm going to build you together and all nations will see your glory. The whole earth. This is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise that all families of the earth will be blessed through you. And God wants to underline that for us today. Church, kingdom, nations. This is where we're going. We're going to the nations, whether that's the nations in your street, whether that's the nations in your school, kids, just think about your school right now. Think about how many different nations are represented in your school. Think about how many different languages that you know your friends and your, your schoolmates speak. Think about the different colours of their skin. Think about the different foods they like to eat. Think about the different backgrounds and the places where they visited or been. God loves the nations, whether it's the nations in our school, whether it's the nations in our street, or whether it's the actual physical nations. And what I saw as I was praying for you, the last prophetic picture I saw was not just flags being put on walls. I love it, by the way, not, 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 not against flags. But I saw lined up behind flags Dozens and dozens of people representing these nations. Dozens and dozens. Altogether, hundreds and hundreds of people lining up in these flags. And not dialing it down, not saying, oh, it doesn't matter that I'm an Afghani. It doesn't matter that I'm Iraqi. It doesn't matter that I'm a Canadian. It doesn't matter that, I'm a, uh, that, that I've, I've, I've come from Benin. It doesn't matter that I'm a Ghanaian. It does matter. God loves that nation. He's put something of vibrancy in you. He, he wants to turn up the colour in you. He wants to turn up the contrast in you. He wants you to be more Indian. He wants you to be more African. He wants you to be more Australian. Even really Australian? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he wants you to be more of who you are because you're current carrying something of vibrancy and ethnicity that actually God loves. And one day in heaven, on earth, all nations will be together. Every tribe, every tongue, every language. Not with it turned down, but with the contrast turned up and all the beautiful vibrancy and spice and colour and music and culture of the nations that's all good, all the godly good bits of it turned up, beautiful vibrancy. There might even be a British culture and a British nation and a, you know, England and Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland. We matter and that's okay because we're part of it. God wants this church more and more to be a church that serves the nations, that loves the nations, that prays for the nations and goes to the nations. If, you're, if you wouldn't call originally, I'm not saying now, but originally, if you wouldn't have called England or Britain your home, 
If you are of another nationality, even if you were born here, but you say, my, my heritage goes back to another nationality. Or if you've moved here, or if you're an asylum seeker, refugee, we love you. If you've come here, if you're of a different nationality, you might not even look like it on the outside, because I know some Africans who are white. I don't really do. <laughs> so it might be that you don't even look like the place you've come from, but you know in your heart, if we, if we looked in your heart, you wouldn't be British, you'd be that nation even though you might now have British nationality or whatever. If that's you, I just want to pray for you, and I want to pray for multiplication for you. And I want to pray that your unique heritage gets turned up. Your unique heritage is display of his glory, a display of his splendor, that all nations get to see and hear of the glory of God in you, just like Isaiah's prophesying. If that's you, please could you stand now? Sorry, there's lots of standing, but we've had a lot of sitting in the last 18 months. You could do with a bit of standing. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Wonderful. And up, up here in the balconies, wonderful. And at home as well. Anyone else? If, you're not, if you wouldn't claim, to, you know, you, something of the nations are in my... Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it wonderful what God's already done? Thank you, Lord. Just say thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Lord, thank you for these nations. Now I pray, Lord, turn the colour up amongst us. Turn the contrast up amongst us. Give us more from different nations, more from the Far East, more from Africa, Lord, more from the Middle East, Lord, more from the Americas, Lord, more from the Antipodes, Lord, more, I pray that this church will be a church known as a church that celebrates the nations, that the nations are in our hearts, that the nations are within us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may sit down. And lastly, they were the three prophetic pictures I had. The tree that fruiting, the TV that was turned up, the contrast or changed from an old black and white to a LED. The third one was all these flags with lots of peoples behind. And it says in this scripture, you'll be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. And this is for all of us. God is doing something new amongst us. And some of us have been named by society. Some of us have been named by our parents. Some of us have been named by school teachers. And I don't mean your literal name. I mean, you'll never do that. You'll never achieve that. You're not this. You're not that. That's not who you are. Our identity does not come from the world around us. It doesn't come from parents or teachers or society. It comes from God. It's who God says we are is who we are. And actually, the Lord says there's newness. There are new things I want to do amongst you. There are new leadership capacities that I want to birth amongst you. There are new works of mercy and grace amongst the poor. There's this new creativity and I've been in several settings now with Ginny over the last few months, and almost every setting we're in, there's this sense that we're living in this in-between moment. Have you heard Ginny talk about that? You know, she felt God speak to her out of Moses and Joshua. Moses led the people of Israel up to the promised land, then very helpfully died. And like Joshua now is leading the people, and he steps into the promised land. And do you know what? The Jordan River shuts. The manna stops, Moses is dead, and before us are all these walled cities. Ah, we feel like this in-between phase. 
It's interesting, our, our friend Gary Gallant, who some of you will know has been here with his wife Barb from uh, Fredericton, where Mark and Debbie are, leader in the church there. He's a prophet. He had exactly the same phrase, we're living in the in-between, except for him, it was more like when your Apple computer is um, downloading a new program and it says two minutes, but it's two hours, or it says two hours, and it's two minutes. It's like you just don't trust what it says, how long it's, because we're living in this in-between, it, it's updating. See, God speaks to Ginny through the Bible, God speaks to Gary through Apple, apparently, but uh, the point is this, we are living in this in-between phase and we're like this little grub. We've been like a little caterpillar and it's like this last 18 months we've been in this chrysalis phase, in this, like the pupa thing, it goes into this and suddenly the sunshine's coming, there's movement, things are starting to happen but we haven't yet broken out. We haven't yet got out of our skin, if you like, into our new skin. We haven't yet got into our beautiful new butterfly capacity where we're going to fly rather than just be a little grub that crawls along the ground. It's the same DNA. It's the same, we're the same person, but God's doing something new in us. He's rearranging us. He's renaming us. He's giving us new purpose, new mission, new flight, new sense of expectation and adventures with him. God's doing something new amongst us. And I believe this morning is an incredibly important pivotal, mo pivotal moment where we're changing. The Spirit of God's coming among us. He's highlighting some issues. He's highlighting some areas of promise. And he wants to flood us with his Spirit. So I'm going to pray. I wonder if the band could come back up. In a moment, I'm going to hand over to the local elders. But we're going to team this together. The beauty of being together is we can pray together. The beauty of being together is that we can experience the glory of God together. We can experience God's heart together. There's freshness here. For people who've been named one thing, God's renaming you. People who've been put into boxes, the box is being opened. The box is being taken apart. And what's in the box is being brought out. What's in the chrysalis, what's in the pupation stage is coming out and we're going to emerge very differently.